Hey, fan bros, this is Tatiana King-Jones. We have an awesome episode up ahead for you. But remember, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We're everywhere. Holla. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. What's up, internets? This is Chico Leo here with another Fan Bros special delivery. Welcome one and all. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Ascension as being part of a whole new wave of hard sci-fi that the sci-fi channel was trying to uh, get back to. Uh, it's been over 10 years, but uh, their last really big you know, mega hit was Battlestar Galactica, which was pretty heavy on the sci-fi. But then they started getting away from that, getting into sort of the British fantasy stuff with Doctor Who and uh, that, that Doctor Who spinoff. And uh, before you know it, they were airing a lot of Canadian shows. Um, and they uh, they basically had gotten away from their roots. You know, they had that name change where they went from spelling it sci-fi the way we spell it sci-fi to now they spell it sci-fi the way only they spell it sci-fi. You know, S-Y-F-Y. But... Um, yeah, they have definitely stayed true to at least their commitment of getting back to a hard sci-fi. Now, it does seem a little like, you know, they're throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. That was the case with Ascension. There was stuff to like in Ascension. Um, last year, they premiered Helix, which the second season just uh, aired. Now, Helix, I, I thought started out really well. Um, it... It looks really great. It's it's probably the best looking sci-fi show on TV, um, but I I I that one sort of went went to hell by the end of the season um, because they I think they they threw every sci-fi trope possible in there, but the uh, the second season uh, started this last Friday. And everything is completely changed from the first season. The entirety of the first season took place um, all at a lab in Antarctica. And um, each episode was one day. And it was very stylish and stylized. Um, you know, it might have suffered from the too many really good-looking scientists. And seeming like all the people of color were the bad guys. It definitely... You know, um, you know, once things started playing out, that wasn't the case. But it really, you know, what started out as what looked like a sort of contained zombie virus outbreak thing included everything from, you know, genetic reprogramming and aliens and the end of the world. And, you know, um, it was done pretty well, but I, I feel like they, they, like I said, they threw a lot of stuff in there. Um, the second season sort of reboots, not reboots, but um, starts out like a year later. And it looks like a lot of the season will be taking place on an island. Um, you know, shades of lost, but not not really. I mean, the people, the people didn't crash land on the island, but um yeah, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know, you know, I didn't hear a lot of people talking about that. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of the problems, and I hate, I hate to keep bringing it up, but uh, a lot of the problems that I had with the strain were problems that I thought, the thing aspects that they did really well on Helix. Now, Helix had other problems, but I really did think that the uh, general, you know, the cinematography and the production design and the just general 
money was on the screen. And when I say money, I just meant it felt like, you know, a movie and not a TV show. So, um, they aired the same night, the second, the premiere of the second season of that on sci-fi, but they also aired their new 12 monkey series, which is something that they've definitely been pushing pretty hard. If you are unfamiliar, there's sort of two ways you have to look at this series. Um, similarly to the Fargo that aired about a year ago, and I believe is coming back in about a year on FX, there are people who are going to watch the show who've seen the movie, and there are people who are going to watch the show that haven't seen the movie. Um, interestingly, I think Fargo might have worked better for people who did, in fact, watch the movie and were maybe prepared for the quirkiness. Um, again, I thought Fargo was, uh, you know, it was in my top ten of shows of last year, of new shows of last year, rather. Um, it's way too early to tell if Twelve Monkeys is going to be in my top ten. Um, as someone who really, really loved the 1995 Terry Gilliam movie, 12 Monkeys, it, it's hard not to compare the show to that. Um, it's worth pointing out that 12 Monkeys itself is a remake. It's a remake of a 1962 experimental French movie called La Jetée. Uh, several of our guests have mentioned on Fan Bros have mentioned La Jetée. I know Juno Diaz mentioned it. And I believe DJ Older, um, Daniel Older, uh, whose book Half Resurrection Blues just came out and you should definitely check out. I believe he mentioned La Jetée. Um, and it's possible that Neil Drumming also mentioned it. And La, La Jetée is a 25-minute film made entirely of stills and with voiceover. Uh, but it's still an incredibly powerful film. It's stunningly gorgeous. And um, you can find it on Yahoo, I mean on um, YouTube rather, um, in almost any language because it's voiceover. Um, the original language is French. I think uh, Google's default, if you just look look up La Jetée, is going to be a version in French with Spanish subtitles. But you can go to Hulu and actually watch the Criterion version with the English um, voiceover. <clears throat> so... La Jetée was made in 1962. Um, in 1995, Terry Gilliam remade it. Terry Gilliam is one of the mm -hmm. sort of great, in my opinion, great filmmakers like you know Spike Lee or Oliver Stone. That not every time are they going to hit a home run, but they're definitely always, um, even when they fail, their failures are generally interesting. Um, so... Yeah, I couldn't. It's very possible that Terry Gilliam's not made a great film since, um, you know, um, Twelve Monkeys, but it was hard not to have the film in mind. Um, and I would say, comparing it to the film, I'm gonna give the the pilot a probably lower grade than I would otherwise. So um, I guess not comparing it to the film. It, uh, it had great production values. It was shot in Toronto and Detroit, and it takes place in 2043 and the present. I don't know if the present means 2014 or 2015 because um, it was shot last year. Um, one of the major differences between the film and the TV show in the film... Bruce Willis is sent back in time, but he's sent back in time to stop a, a, uh, a, a virus... That has killed most people on Earth. And the main character, John Cole, in, in this, also has the same mission. Or James Cole. 
um, has the same mission. But the difference is, is that the James Cole in the TV show is much more like Kyle Reese from Terminator. He's like a trusted, like almost time traveling commando type of dude. Whereas the James Cole in the movie played by Bruce Willis is like this prisoner who they're sending thinking almost to a certain death and he's like mentally ill and kind of crazy or just on the edge of sanity and so that that portrayal is really different so that that alone sort of made the tv show a little bit more of like your standard time traveling um uh you know procedural for lack of a better term now Bruce Willis has been in two really two two of the best time travel movies of the last 20 25 years in Looper and 12 Monkeys. Um and they they actually the makers of the um 12 Monkeys TV show said they actually looked to Looper for some of the effects of the the time traveling effects. Um which uh you know there was a little bit of that in here I'm sure, in the pilot I'm sure we'll see more. So the production values were really good. Uh, they changed up the nature of the characters, um, but the the basic plot is the same. A virus has is that that someone released. That's a key thing uh, in both the movie and the TV show. Uh, sometime in twenty forty three, someone releases a virus that kills most of the people on Earth. Um, in the TV show, they say over seven billion people are killed. So and these survivors are forced to live underground and they, they send someone back in time to, to basically kill the person before they release the virus. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but James Cole is successful on his mission. He gets a he teams up with a scientist who, in my opinion, believes him way too quickly Um you know, that was an issue that I had a little bit with Sleepy Hollow was that uh, Abby, you know, by the end of the second episode, she completely believes that, uh, you know, uh, Ichabod Crane is who he says he is and is like a dude from the revolution who, you know, fell asleep and woke up 400 years later. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen a little more of like uh, Mulder Scully or rather Scully, you know, Mulder um, sort of skepticism from the scientists but by the end of the first episode she's on board they team up um they kill the guy who they the james cole has been sent back in time to kill uh but the disease still has gotten out there and so cole realizes that in fact this is there's a big uh this is a conspiracy there's more people involved and this is going to be a lot harder job and there's probably going to be jumping back and forth in time uh, one of the things he discovers before he kills the guy is that he and that guy have met in 1987 or 84 or 85. I can't remember, but somewhere in the 80s. And of course, this guy has never been to the 80s. He's like, you know, someone in his 30s from 2043. So um, there's probably going to be some fun time stuff. Um I didn't really have a problem with any of the casting. I, I in fact, I, I thought the casting was really good. The lead dude, uh, Aaron Stanford, who plays James Cole, um, he played Pyro in the X Men movies. That was the thing that I recognized him from. Um, I'm not sure. I liked him as Pyro. I'm not sure if I liked him. He had this sort of smirk going on as Pyro, and there was this thing where you. 
there was a nice thing of watching this guy sort of pick between you know good and evil and then deciding to to go with the evil um i don't know how much that works for your for a hero i mean i know that these days the anti-hero is the is the way everybody's been going but he has a little bit of a sort of smirk on his face that's Slightly more villainous and less like Han Solo. Han Solo has a smirk on his face and so does Indiana Jones, but it works. This dude doesn't. Um, but look, I didn't like Sawyer at all in the beginning on Lost. And, you know, he definitely was, uh, you know, a favorite by the end. So who knows? Um, I'm definitely going to stick with this. I, I you know, I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure if I'm going to be sticking with... I'm definitely going to give... Um, Helix another episode or two but after the direction of the last season and just sort of the craziness of the first episode I'm not so sure but um 12 monkeys uh on its own and you know I think these remakes you know invariably one does compare them to the source material um I, you know I, I thought it was a pretty a pretty strong pilot um uh, they've definitely got a story to tell, and uh, they've set up some cool worlds. I do question, again, you know, 12 Monkeys came out in 1995. It's based on a 1962, um, you know, short film in La Jetée. I do feel like there have been other sort of interesting time travel uh, things since then. And I, you know, I was more blown away by Looper uh, than I was, and even frankly, the um, Continuum, which I think also airs on the Sci Fi channel, which is not a Sci Fi original, but um, you can check out Continuum. It was very early on in the run of Fambros, it was a Netflix pick of the week, and that's a uh, time travel cop coming, uh, coming, f cop from the future coming back in time to solve a crime, and uh, it's a female cop played by Rachel Nichols. And I thought that, um, I think I was more impressed with that pilot than I was this one. But, again, uh, pilots are often the worst episode of a show. Lost being a, a, a very serious exception to that. Um, but uh, very often, uh, the pi you know, you, you, you really have to get two or three episodes into a show to make a, make a decision whether you're going to stick with it because the pilot is written before the actors are cast. And, you know, a show takes on a life of its own once it begins shooting and they start writing for the strengths of certain actors and other actors of great chemistry with other actors. And so they pair up characters that they originally weren't going to. Um, that was really one of the wonderful things about the first season of Lost was the, them figuring out like different groups and, and, and who worked well together and then things discovering, oh, the actress who plays Kate is really good at climbing trees. So, yo, we're going to have her climb trees to scout things out, you know, every couple episodes. Or if something's in a tree, we'll get Kate to get it down. And, you know, um, stuff like that that the scriptwriters would never know until they're on the set working with the actors. So, yeah, I thought it was a strong pilot. Um, I do think that, you know, making... I You know, I don't know what people think out there. 12 Monkeys was a, a, a real big movie for me in the 90s. I thought it was really great. Time travel's tough. Um, honestly, uh, you know, Back to the Future is still one of the great, you know, time travel movies. You know, what are we now? 30 years later? Um, maybe more. So, um, you know, it's tough. They have changed up some of the, uh, you know, the um, scientist is still a woman. 
in the movie, uh, Brad Pitt plays a person in an, uh, like a mentally ill dude in an insane asylum who um, it plays both sides of the coin um, and, and works with both the good guys and the bad guys. And Brad Pitt gave a, you know, not controversial, but some people thought it was too hammy. Other people were really impressed with it. It's kind of the the role that broke Brad Pitt out from just being like a Hollywood pretty boy. Um, and so that role seems to be played by a woman. Uh, she's only in the last shot of the pilot. Um, so that's been, so they've changed the nature of the main character, kept the, uh, the female scientist seemingly the same, but the Brad Pitt role now seems like is going to be, uh, played by Emily Hampshire. Um, and the role is Jennifer Goins. I, I think her name was Goins in, uh, when she was Brad Pitt in the movie. Um, so yeah, uh, let, you know, let us know what you guys, if, if anyone out there watched is still watching Helix and watched the, uh, watch the second episode. And if anyone's watching 12 monkeys, what you thought of the movie, what you thought of the pilot, or, you know, if you didn't, if you never saw the movie, you know, the pilot deserves to uh, stand or fall on its own. Um, it is interesting that, you know, they're making movies out of old TV shows, but they're also making TV shows out of, you know, older movies. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like 21 Jump Street and, and things like that, you know, going the other way. But, you know, between Fargo last year and 12 Monkeys this year, and uh, I think there's a couple of others that I've heard about, you know, where they're talking about expanding, you know, movies into TV shows. It's definitely happening. But, um, yeah, happy uh, happy Martin Luther King Day. Everyone go see uh, Selma. Um I had uh, also early in the run of Fambros made as my Netflix pick of the week a show called Spooks, which um, aired in America as Spooks, but it, it's a British show called MI5 in Britain, and it might be on Netflix um, as MI5, or it might be there as Spooks. Uh, but the reason why I'm highlighting that again is that uh, has a, a much younger. Uh, David Oelio, uh, who plays uh, Martin Luther King in Selma, uh, which is out now, and it's Martin Luther King Day, and um, it's a really great BBC show with like high value, high production value. It's like a more cerebral version of Twenty Four. MI Five is Britain's version of the FBI. You know, James Bond works for MI Six. They're, they're the equivalent of the CIA. They handle everything that's going on abroad. Um, and MI5 is all like dealing with terrorism and, 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 and stuff like that. And, and, you know, white supremacists and, you know, major criminal endeavors, um, on the homeland, on the home front. And David Oelio is one of the, uh, Oyelowo, uh, is one of the, uh, younger agents. And, um, he was on the show for a while and he's really dope. Um, that's where I first saw him. He's done a, a bunch of other things. Um, but yeah, anyone who didn't know, he's a Nigerian actor who comes to us via Britain. Um, one of several. I know Adewale. I'm going to I'm gonna totally... Uh, I'm not even going to try and say... The guy who played Mr. Echo is definitely a British-Nigerian, a British uh, actor of Nigerian descent. Um, but anyway, yeah, that that's uh, definitely been... Um, you know, a, a, a trend every few years. 
there's a new uh, and anyway, this guy is not new. Is my point. He's been around for a while, and uh, I think Fambros who haven't checked out Spooks, um, and Spooks is another term for spies. So if anyone was thinking that it was implying something else, it definitely isn't. I don't think it's a great name. I don't see why they couldn't have stuck with MI5 unless people think MI5 is like a book about like you know librarians or something. I mean a, a show about librarians. But it was a good tight spy show and it ran for like ten years. Um, they changed up the cast members. People get killed. They had like a list British um, guest stars. And um, a lot of the people who've been on the show have gone on to do uh, bigger and better things. So, um, yeah, Netflix pick of the week, uh, just as a shout out to uh, David Oyelowo, um, is Spooks. And uh, Sci-Fi Channel claims they're bringing more uh, more hard sci-fi to your TV. Uh, you know, true or false, you let us know. Fat bros, fat bros.